Hey, you welcome to the Coaching Minds Podcast, a free resource for mental training plan. We help teams and individuals perform at their best through online and in-person training. More than 20 years ago, I experienced firsthand what it feels like to struggle during competition and had no plan, no way to take back control of uh, you know what was going on, not only in my mind, but also physically um, on the baseball diamond. So that's a, it's a passion of mine. We talk all the time about making a plan and putting it to work because just hoping that you're going to be able to perform at your best in big moments isn't a strategy and it's not what high performing athletes do. So if you're looking for tools to help you perform at your best on the field or in the workplace, you've come to the right place. If you like what you hear in today's episode, would ask that you share it with someone that you think might also benefit from it. And want to give a special shout out to our Aussie friends. We set a new record for Amazon Australia book sales. Um, last I checked, my, my book Focus Cycle was ranked number 20 out of over 20,000 sports science titles. Um, we've had over 2,500 downloads over in Australia on the podcast. So appreciate the love from you all on the other side of the world. Very excited about our guest that we have joining us today. Let's get after it. Welcome to the Coaching Minds Podcast, helping you overcome obstacles so you can reach and achieve more. Here are your hosts, Ben and C. Today we have a very special guest joining us, someone who is near and dear to my heart, Dee Mahoney, played Division I softball at Oregon State University. Um, she then completed her graduate work at the University of Miami, Florida, and then began her career with USA Track and Field, and then spent 25 years raising two lovely children before retiring, moving to Colorado and getting to travel the world with Team USA. Um, but more importantly, as, as my father and mother like to joke about the woman who's been taking care of me for the last 20 years. So Dee, so happy to have you here today. Thank you, Ben. So going back to, you know, kind of your time as a college athlete, tell me just a little bit about being out at Oregon State, you know, just it, it shaped you as as a competitor, someone who was, you know, had confidence, someone who saw this is maybe the right way to do things or this is what I think should be done a little bit different. How, how did that time shape you? Well, Ben, it was an opportunity to um, go away from home. I grew up in Southern California, was recruited to Oregon State to play. Uh, it was a lifelong dream to be a D1 athlete and the opportunity was there and my parents supported it. Um, so the coach was uh, a gal that was wonderful and very supportive back in, in the early 80s. I went in with a dream and a desire and I was the hardest working person out there. I was recruited to be a shortstop and there was a senior shortstop and I was hellbent that I was going to beat her out because I came there to be the shortstop at Oregon State University. Ben, the one thing that's important here is that I had the opportunity to be an athletic trainer as a student athlete that never was allowed. And that, I think, shaped me because I was able, you know, they said I couldn't do it. Give me the opportunity. And I was going to make it happen. They told you you couldn't do it from just like a time perspective, like you couldn't both be a athletic trainer and an athlete. Absolutely, because it's like being a Division One athlete in two two sports. So, you know, you, you can't get through school, you can't fulfill commitments one hundred percent in you know either sport, so to speak. So, my coach and the head athletic trainer said, "Let's." give her a shot and we'll sit and make a schedule that in the fall, we were on trimester. So in the fall, I, I worked football or volleyball, traveled with them. And then in the winter, 
I uh, went in the training room and opened the training room in the morning and went to classes and then went to practice and then closed the training room. And then in the spring, I was just an athlete. And then I could observe the student trainer that was assigned to uh, softball and then stayed and worked camps to gain the experience I lost for the time commitment that was needed to fulfill my degree at Oregon State. And then, you know, heading down, <laughs> heading down to the University of Miami, Florida, which I only know you from, you know, small little Indianapolis suburbs, central Indiana, Westfield athletic trainer. Talk to me a little bit about the experience that, that you had down there and, and the time that you had around such a prestigious program. Absolutely. My mentor at Oregon State loved the way I worked. Um, he actually opened the doors to allow me to attend uh, the University of Miami. He asked uh, Coach Johnson if he could bring in a female GA. And uh, Coach Johnson was like, well, can she handle this? And KO was like, oh, yeah, she can handle this. So um, coming in, it was uh, a shock. Um, It was a a different culture um, being around those guys. Um, But they accepted me. Um, and I accepted them and did my job and cared for them and, and did everything needed to help them, uh, succeed and fulfill their dreams. So, um, it was a lot of work. I mean, it was a lot of work all day in a training room, all morning, all afternoon, all evening. And I went to night classes, seven to 10, um, every night, um, to get a two year degree in one year. And so then after that, Joined up with USA Track and Field, where I believe you met Duffy. Is that correct? Uh, that is true. And and once again, let's go back to Kevin O'Neill, um, my mentor from Oregon State, who brought me to the University of Miami. Um, we were at a convention. Uh, I can't remember where, way back when, but uh, uh, he knew a, a, a female athletic trainer named Gail Weldon, who has since passed. But Gail was, you know, uh, set the bar high as a female in in the early years. I'll never forget the day that he put his arm around me at a convention and said, Hey, Gail, this is, this is my GA or I was an assistant the next year. I can't remember exactly when, but it was like, she would be really good to work USA track and field for you. And the next thing I know, I got a call. Hey, do you want to go to Canada with the junior national team? Sure. (laughs) There I went. And, and, and when you work with national teams, it's either you fit in or you don't, if you do a good job, you fit in, you make a difference, you get called back, you know? You come back and hurricane has come through and basically destroyed your house. Do I have do I have that yeah. timeline yeah. set up correct? I was living in, in Miami in, in August of, of 92, August 24th of 1992, I do believe. I had just gotten back from Barcelona, the Olympic Games. Yeah, my house got totaled. It got trashed. And Duffy and I... Uh, got together in, in Europe and it was really fun. And, and, uh, he kept calling and checking on me to make sure that I was okay and sent me airplane tickets to get out of the mess. Um, it it was a mess down there and we kindled a long distance relationship for a year before we got married in 93. And then how long till you moved up to Westfield? It was July of 93, I, I, I think. Um, and I think I moved Well, I was in Carmel, uh, yeah. in 93, I think we got married in September, but I came up early because of school schedules and trying to get, you know, I, I had a job, Dr. Shelbourne's clinic. Okay. I, I came, again, surgeons, doctors know each other, and I had a job. I never met them. I had a job when I moved here. So then, make a long story short, you end up being the athletic trainer at Westfield. And, 
you know, here, this, this was where, you know, I obviously got to meet you. Um, what were, what were those, some of the, you talked about, there were some things that you wanted to bring to Westfield. You, you wanted to show everybody, you know, here, here's what we did down at the U here's, here's what we were doing at the Olympics. I'm going to, I'm going to toughen you guys up. Like talk to me about kind of the, the mentality, the attitude, the approach that you had as, as you were starting as a young athletic trainer. Oh my God, Ben, that is so funny. But I do remember, you know, being kind of crazy starting uh, in 1994 at Westfield High School. God love Dick Parker, you know, coming in, we're going to work football and we're going to, I'm going to change the world. It's the only thing I know. I know hard work and I'm yep. going to make a difference and get kids back. And I'm at this small 2A school, like whatever it takes, Coach Parker, I'm here for you. I, I want to show you, I want to be here. I want to be a shamrock and whatever it takes, I'm, I'm going to make a difference. And, um, what I brought from the U is just a work ethic and a desire that I've always had. And when I decided I was going to be an athletic trainer, it's the only way I know to work. Um, but I love to give. I, I, I'm learning. I am a servant individual, and I love to share my talents and make a difference. And, and that you did. I, I know as a freshman, I was absolutely terrified of you. I didn't want to come see you. I didn't want to have to talk to you. I sure as heck wasn't going to be hurt and try and you know have to deal with the wrath of D Mahoney telling me to get my butt back out on the field. Um, but then, you know, my sophomore year, I got hurt, like legitimately hurt. I don't remember if it was a sprained ankle or the the dislocated kneecap, which whichever one was first. I just know that the level of care that I got was amazing. And it was like, wow, this, this person really cares about me. It wasn't like, you know, I just, I go into the training room and you evaluate me and say, yeah, you can play or no, you can't, you can't play today. It was like, what plan can we put together to get you back out on the field as, as fast as possible? How, how did you balance the, kind of the attitude of, you know, the training room is not your personal hangout area. You're not going to come in here and pretend to be hurt. You're not going to use this as an excuse. You're not going to, you know, get out of hard work, but then also legitimately care for and love on those, those guys and gals that were injured. Well, Ben, I think I have uh, the ability to know people and I certainly try to get to know people. So, you know, the kids that wanted to be in the training room and hung out could be kids that didn't have a good family life. So I always, I really believe I could recognize those that needed a little extra love in, it could be hard love, but they needed that. They were searching for that. And being a female in, in an all male sport, you know, I, I, some guys, you know, just needed that. And, um, you know, I, I was never afraid to give tough love. Um, but I think one of my strengths is understanding the athlete that I'm working with and caring as much as they do to get back. I think because in my athletic experience at Oregon State, I had four surgeries in four years. I was constantly battling to get back. So that's who I am. And that's what I know the athlete in front of me has that same desire. And somehow, some way we're going to figure out the best way to get back. And, and what'd you do when that athlete didn't have that same desire? Like, how, how did you approach that when you could tell, all right, this, this kid is just, 
he's he's kind of being soft right now or he's using this as an excuse or he he doesn't think that he has what it takes he doesn't he doesn't have the confidence in himself or in his body how how did you approach that well let's be honest if the kid was a scrum player who got hurt and really wasn't going to be a part of the program and was maybe afraid to get back then that's not a kid I was going to push back because he wasn't going to be able to push barriers to to handle what it's going to take to get back and be a practice player. But when you're looking at the athlete that is a starter, um, uh, an athlete that is um, meaningful to the program, their desire is to get back. And um, again, I always think one of my strengths is understanding is who I'm working with and what I can get out of them. I had, uh, I, don't, I don't even remember what game it was, but I had a dislocated kneecap. So you had, you had shaved like the side of my knee and taped it down and then put it in this little J brace that was going to hold it in place. And I got my ankle just tore up on a tackle, got spun around and twisted. Um, and so I, I went into the locker room with you with about 15 seconds left in the, in the second quarter. And you said, we're going to, we're going to go in and get you ready to go back out. And it, it felt like you put essentially a walking boot made out of uh, athletic tape on my foot and looked me dead square in the eye and said, I promise you can't hurt this worse. If you can stand the pain, you can finish the game. And it was like, I just, that gave me a confidence that it was like, yeah, I can do this. I'm going to be fine. Talk to me a little bit about where did you know you decide it's really important that kids have confidence in me and have confidence in their body. Like where did that come from? Why were you so good at instilling confidence in your athletes? I was one. I still am. And, um, I had great athletic trainers take care of me at Oregon state. And, you know, every time I got hurt, I had to have surgery, you know, and, and I battled timelines. I, I, you know, if I, if they told me it was six weeks in my mind, it was going to be four, you know, there was, I was going to get back. So, um, again, sports is everything to me. And, um, if, if a kid wants to play and I can get them out there safely. So I, do I remember exactly what I did to you? No, but I, I know techniques that I have used over the years. And the bottom line is it probably was a cast and you were not going to turn that thing anymore. So yeah, you can get out there. Ben, you had a great arm. You had a great mind. You know, you were a leader. So it's important to the team that you were on the field. Even if you weren't at 100%, you were better than the next guy. So let's be honest. I wasn't scrambling around back there anyways. <laughs> so, you know, West, Westfield at that time was not good at athletics across the board. You know, we were 2A my freshman year. You know, skipped 3A, hopped up to 4A, joined a new conference, just across the board, we, we struggled, but one program kind of stood out. The, the cross country program was top notch. And, you know, I know that you're also a runner yourself. What, what lessons about, you know, endurance and mental toughness did you take away from your time with that program? Well, Scott Letskin was, you know, a, a leader um, before his time in coaching and he really worked on the mental aspect of these kids. And, and um, well, quite honestly, they were just constantly talented girls coming through that program. They were. And, and again, their desire to, to run was, you know, top notch. I mean, 
did they run hard and, and have some problems? Yeah. And, and helping them. And, and I, if I didn't know something, I always used my resources and I, and I did research and I was going to find a way to make a difference. And, and I think that's just a, a motto I've always had. So, um, I took care of them before I ever got into marathoning. And, um, you know, I just realized mobility, strength, stability, um, was very important. And, uh, those girls were eager to, to stay on the, the course and run. And, um, we made it work and realized the pool was, was an asset. And, uh, you know, I don't think other athletic trainers in Hamilton County was using the pool the way we were. And, um, you know, we, we, we found a way and I think it was really a successful way. Certainly if you can knock off Carmel way back when, I mean, that was, that was huge. Absolutely. And, you know, as you, as you kind of began your journey running marathons where, you know, we had Matt Comer on the program, um, last year talking about the Grand Canyon run that he did, um, and talking about, you know, just some of the, the mental battles and the, the strain and dealing with the discomfort and doing hard things and mental toughness. What, what were some of the, what are some of the things that you've used yourself as, as you've gone on some of those journeys? Well, you know, when, when you follow a great training plan and you're fit and ready and you have a great race, it's fun, but you never know what the body's going to give you in a, in a 26 mile run. And, um, I was fortunate qualifying for Boston four times. I ran it three times, 12, 15, and 16. And unfortunately, every time I ran Boston, I, I fell apart. It was it was the hardest run. And I kept thinking, well, maybe because it's basically running downhill, eccentric contractions, you know, but I'm like, why do I seem like the only one having those problems? And I really, I really think that I put too much pressure on myself at Boston because so many people were following me and all this. I really think, honestly, stress played a part of my failures. Not failures, I finished. But I mean, literally, I walked 20 miles in 15. I fell apart at at six. And if I was anywhere else, I would have walked off that course. But I walked in. It was ugly. It hurt every step. I I had a great training plan. I don't know what happened. But as I've matured and understand, I think... I think I put too much pressure on myself to succeed. I was fit. I was ready. But I think my body wasn't ready for the stress I put on it to succeed. Since leaving Westfield and retiring, you've also had a chance to travel around the world with U.S. teams. Talk to us just a little bit about some of your most recent experiences. Oh, my God, Ben. Um, recently, I've uh, I've uh, been working with uh, the women's U.S. national softball team. Um it was by chance. Uh, my name was floated out there when their head trainer couldn't uh, attend. It was basically a year ago. I was in Lima, Peru with the, the juniors at the World Championship. And it was like, hey, can you go? And I'm like, yeah, I can go. I'm not working. So um, I went, had a blast, had a great time. Um, I do believe I made a difference. Uh, there was a couple kids that had some injuries, and I taught them how to manage things. And uh gave them information to go home and talk to their athletic trainers and their strength coaches, um, at their universities, um, and, um, received some great feedback, uh, of the progress that they made once they got back. That was a year ago, November. And then same thing happened. There was a national team tryout in December, right after Christmas and their head trainer got COVID 
last minute, like, can you leave for Florida tomorrow? <laughs> Why, yes, I can. And uh, off I went and um, had the opportunity to work the national team's trials in, in uh, Florida. And um, I just said, I'm going to go be me. I'm going to do the best D that I can be, right? I, I love to serve. God, I love softball. I'm like, I am blessed beyond belief. Love people, but uh, a girl tore up her ace, uh, tore up her knee. I thought it was an ACL, but a, a, a gal got hurt in tryouts. Man, God, we're in Florida. I know a lot of people in Florida, and in ten minutes, I had the head surgeon for the Miami Dolphins on the phone, and and you know she was in his office the next morning at eight o'clock, and I had an MRI that night. So in twenty four hours, this kid had world class care. It just parlayed from there because the head coach, who's Heather Tarr at, at University of Washington, thought that I would be a great fit to work with her and, and serve the national team. And and so I was in Canada with them this summer. I was in um, Japan and um, then down in Alabama for the World Games for the World Championships where we won in Beach Japan. That's awesome. Here, you know, just listening to you talk, lots of lots of the same types of themes emerge caring about people loving people investing in relationships with people um and and, and hard work uh there, there's two questions that we always kind of end up with or finish up with with our guests um you know we've got basically two components of people that really listen to this podcast primarily uh the the first is athletes that are trying to improve themselves. And the, the second is coaches that are maybe trying to improve the young people that they're working with. So we'll start with the athletes. Knowing what you know now, what advice would you give to a younger version of yourself, maybe uh, entering freshman year of high school, who is still an athlete? Hard work, desire, dedication. Um, for me, being an athlete, it was just the fun part. I mean, to be out in a field or on a basketball court or the whatnot. I mean, anything is a sense of play. And to me, life is a game and I try to play it. So I think I learned that from my participation in athletics my entire life, being a tomboy, right? And I go about life playing it and, and trying to be successful in it and enjoy it and reap the benefits of my hard work. And then the the last question, knowing what you know now, what what advice would you have for maybe some of our younger coaches out there that are, you know, just starting to get get their career kicked off, um, you know, trying to make a name for themselves, but more importantly, trying to make an impact on the the young athletes that they're working with? That's easy. Any coach that cares about their program needs to learn about their kids and understand who and what they're dealing with and what kids uh, respond to different types of communication. I've seen it all. But those coaches that can reach all of their kids are the most successful. This has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show, Dee. Thank you so much for your time and sharing all, your, all this wisdom that you've gathered through such a storied career. I, I'm blessed to sit here in front of you, Ben. Uh, I love you. And, and being a people person, I don't let go of those that I love. Until next time, make your plan and put it to work.